Good morning, good morning. If you have your Bibles, the Gospel of John this morning, chapter 14, um, verse 21, we will give attention to as our text this morning, John chapter 14, verse 21. We'll read that in just a moment. Matt, thank you for leading us before the throne in worship. I appreciate that as always. Welcome every single one of you. We are officially in what are referred to as the dog days of summer. I have no idea what that means. Camp is in full swing. There's picnics and barbecues tomorrow night. Um, People are on vacation. I make a motion like I think it should be the donkey days of summer. You know, all those in favor just say I... That's an enthusiastic dog to donkey. Scott, this is all in honor of your donkeys. <clears throat> the donkey days of summer, the all-star break, Phillies are in first. But I'm not here to talk about those um, kind of silly things, weather and sports. There is something that is weighty and pressing, and it is the word before us. And that's what we will give our attention to this morning, first and foremost. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we just plead for the Lord to speak and that we um, would hear. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, how, how, how much we love you. Thank you already for what um, you have allowed us um, to enjoy this morning and lifting up our voices and sing praise to you. Father, I I thank you that um, your love is unconditional. Your grace is thrilling and amazing, that your mercies are new every day. And I thank you, Lord, that this, this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, I thank you for every single person that's here. I would pray, Lord, that uh, you you would guide all of us as we learn over these next few moments. Father, help us, Lord, not to just check off a box that we did this because we're supposed to, but it is, it is um, you who nourishes us and strengthens us. Um, we just pray, Lord, that, that you would um, do exactly that. I, I pray, Lord, for others in our community. I think of uh, churches that stand upon and are preaching the gospel. I, I think of our own uh, Pastor Aaron right now as he preaches at Commonplace. I pray for other pastors. Um, I pray, Lord, for our community that is filled with many that are lost. I pray for our country and uh, the condition that it is in. I pray, Lord, for our leaders. I pray, Lord, as well for our missionaries that are are precious to us and and we love, and, and yet they are scattered throughout the globe, away from us now, Lord, but faithful to the task. And I would pray, Lord, that you would encourage their hearts and remind them that they are not alone, that they are loved and, and prayed for. Uh, Lord, and now I just, I just again plead for your help and guidance uh, that you would speak through me and give me clarity of thought and speech. Uh, may everything that is done for these next few moments direct our attention to you and may it um, glorify you and also build us up together as a body that we so desperately need. We love you. Thank you, Lord, for offering your son Jesus to die in our place that rescues us from our sins. We rejoice in that. Speak now and may we hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
our series, Ecclesia. It's a Greek word. It sounds a little weird. It literally is the word for church. It's defined as a gathering together or in assembly. That's what we are. Um, and this is cool. We get to do this. It's, it's a gathering together of people that are called specifically, and they're called for a purpose. We have looked at already, and we've learned that it's Jesus who does the calling. Jesus has called us as a church. And if you recall, he's, he's gathered us together for purpose, and he's also uh, clarified what that purpose is, and he promises to give us power to accomplish the purpose that we are called to. We've looked at several promises that Jesus has already given to us, and we encouraged by that. I, I will build my church. I will come to you. I will make you fishers of men. I will give you words and, and wisdom. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will give you rest. I will give you keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's no doubt that it's a delight for us to gather together, but this is like, this is not all we do, okay? Um, what, we, what we do is we, we, we live it out by going out, okay? Church doesn't stay within the confines, context of these four walls. We live it out by going out and we do it by loving others. Here's the truth. I am, I am scared to death and yet excited at the same time about where we are as a local church. I'm, I'm excited about our outreach that's coming up in in August, I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity to connect and relate to the community and invite them in and, and give them an invitation to, to bring them into our new church. And I'm excited about a, a new place to worship. To be perfectly honest, and I have been stretched recently. I've been frustrated. I thought we'd be in there by now. It wasn't it supposed to happen? And I've had people come alongside me and remind me, Boger, just, just stay focused on the task of the mission of the church. And that's important. That's where we need to be. That's where I want to be. That's a delight and that's wonderful. But we are right here, right now, faithful to the task of what God has given to us. Know that God is, has supernaturally gifted every single one of us, every one of us. If you follow Jesus as Lord, you've confessed him as Savior. He's gifted you. And we what? We exercise those spiritual gifts. What? We do it through love and, and by showing others the love that God has shown us. If we were to expand from this one verse in verse 21, if you were to take the verses surrounding that, verses 15 to 24, do you realize that that one word love or a form of it, loves, loved, is used eight times in just these 10 verses? There's something here about this word. We're going to focus on this morning. We need to focus on this morning. John chapter 14, verse 21, our text is as follows. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. And we know the setting here, Jesus is in the upper room. Um, he has recently washed the disciples' feet. He's nearing the end of his public ministry. 
Uh, we know that the betrayer, Judas, has been identified and he's shortly going to be arrested and tried and crucified. We know that he's gathered together and he makes this statement here. And we pause and I'm, 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 I'm going to love you. I will love you. I'll manifest myself to you. Two points I want to give to you this morning. The first one is this. You can write this down and remember it. The church proves its love through its obedience. The church, ecclesia, those who have been gathered together, called for a specific purpose. The church, we, we prove our love through our obedience. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Whenever you exegete scripture, whenever you look at it, study it, take it apart, put it back together in order to teach it, you always look for themes, words, phrases that are repeated. And there's one phrase, there's one theme that is repeated in that larger context of verses 15 through verse 24. It says this in, in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And we read in verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. In verse 23, it's repeated. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my word. There's something here that is intentionally and explicitly clear about the subject of love. It's the word agapeo. There are several different words for the word love, but this one is all the same. And, and agape love means to show love or to demonstrate love. That there's something about love connected with doing or love um, connected to action. It's very clear here that some kind of evidence is given that an action must be taken in order to prove our love in action. Something must be done to prove our love. Commentator Matthew Henry says this, and I quote, there is a duty for those who claim the dignity of being disciples. Let me repeat that. There is a duty for those who claim the dignity of being my disciples. Now you hear that word duty, and for some reason, there's automatically some kind of negative connotations surrounding oh, this is my duty so i'm going to do this that no no it's not that in less than two weeks i will stand up before a group of people with clayton and kayla before me and i will remind clayton clayton it is your duty to love kayla kayla it is your duty to love it, do you realize that it's the same with me? 29 plus years after I have been married to Wendy, I am what? I am committed and it is my duty to love my wife. Is it like, oh, great, now I got to do this for you because that's what I'm expected to do. No, there's a, there's a sense of delight. Why? Because I love this one and I want to show you and express to you my love. So like what, but like, but what, what is this? Like, who is this specifically? It says very specifically, whoever has my commandments, whoever has holds on to, what are these commandments? You have the word of God open in front of you on your lap. Maybe it's in your smartphone or your iPad. You have the word. We have the commandments. Question is like, that's great that we have them, but what are we doing with the commandments that God has given to 
to us. What time is carved out out of the course of every single day? What time is kind of cut into our week that we dedicate? What attention are we giving to the instructions that we are given? And there's something about this idea of instructions that, that we kind of have a hard time with. You ever purchased something before um, and, and it arrives in a box and you're like, well, I didn't know I had to put this thing together. You open a box and you receive something like this, okay, where there are multiple pages of instructions. As our families grow growing, we bought a little we bought a little crib for the little ones. And, and, and so we get this. Half of it is in a language that I don't even know or speak. So I'm focusing on the other part. And it starts like this. Congratulations on purchasing an MDB, MDB family product. I don't even know what MDB is. This crib will provide many years of service. Note, if... You adhere to the following guidelines for assembly, maintenance, and operation. Please be sure to follow the instructions for proper assembly. And it kind of sounds something like this, okay? I tried this. Attach leg E to left side C using two machine bolts K, two barrel nuts L, and two lock washers T. Attach the right leg, F, to the right side, D, using two machine bolts, K, two barrel nuts, L, and two lock washers, T. Guess what I did with these instructions? you got to be joking me. I need help on this. And I found them folded up and tucked away because that's generally what we do with them. You know what? It's only a crib. She's not that big. She's not that heavy. Come on. How difficult can this be? And we have a hard time with this. We don't, give in, we don't give attention to the instructions that are given. Or else we do in some way. I remember years ago, I was so excited, we purchased a, a barbecue. It was like the dead of winter, but we got a great deal on a barbecue. And I, 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 I opened the box, and I was in the living room, and I spent like all night putting together this barbecue. And I was so proud. I was literally sweaty. And I finished the barbecue. I stepped back, and I'm smiling. And Sarah was the one. She goes, Daddy, isn't, isn't that like a whole bottom part, like upside down? It's not supposed to be like that, is it? Like that. I'm like, go to bed. That's what you do. Just go to bed. She was right. The, the instructions are given. The directions are there. And somehow there's like, there's a break. You realize that people today, people today are doing the exact same thing with the instructions, with the commandments that God has given to us. So many people claim to love God, but they do not spend time and love the word of God. Therefore, what? By not giving attention to the word of God, you're actually showing that you have no love and care and respect for the giver of the word. But it doesn't, it doesn't just stop with, we, we have my commands, he who has my commandments, but it actually includes what? There's this little phrase, and keeps them. It's not just about, okay, I got this. We got Bibles stacked up all over the place. 
But it's more than that. It's actually what it includes and keeps them or upholds them, honors them, respects them, obeys them. What, 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 what is them? What are these commandments? No doubt we go to the basic moral decalogue of, of all time, the Ten Commandments. We're to hold that and uphold that and honor that. But there's a lot of stuff like back there in the law that, wait a minute, we don't have to like hold the weight of four raisins on a, on a Sabbath or else what? If it's more than that, it's sin. There's some level like, what are these commandments? Jesus in the previous chapter, John chapter 13 says what? There's a new commandment that I give to you. What is it? That you love one another as I have loved you. Why does this word keep surfacing? Why is this so hard for us? Matthew chapter 22, there's Pharisees trying to trick Jesus, okay? And they ask him, like, of, of all the commandments, like, like, what is the most, what do we really have to just focus on? What, what do we have to pay attention to more than anything else? And Jesus says what? In, in response, he says, you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second commandment is this. Love your neighbor yourself why is this so hard for us why are we told this literally hundreds of times throughout the word of god we know that the commandments what they are unending that it's it's as you dig into the mind and you extract the gold and the silver and the wealth it's unending you continue to extract wealth there's a Bible study going on in our church right now from Psalms chapter 119. What a great, I'd love to read all 150 verses to you this morning, but I don't have the time for that. But what's interesting are the different terms that are all referred to the instructions, the commandments, the, the precepts, the law, my judgments that, that, that God uses here, my counsel, my statutes. It's all there for us. All scripture is, is given by inspiration of God. All of it is profitable. All of it is useful. For doctrine, correction, instruction, and righteousness. That God's word never returns void. It, you, never, you never offer God's word and it comes back like there's nothing there. There's not, no, it never returns void. That the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And we have opportunity this morning to be reminded about what, what, kind of a, what, what kind of attention are we giving this? We show our love. We literally, as a what? As a church, we prove our love through our obedience. When we obey, God loves us. But wait, wait a minute. Well, do you mean that means that if God, if there's someone in this world who does not give attention to the word of God, does not obey it, God apparently doesn't love them, right? No, that's not what we're saying. Look at all of Scripture. We always, what? We always look at all of Scripture. We look at life through the lens of Scripture. It, it says very clearly, John chapter 3, God so loved the entire world. It says in, 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 in the next verse, in John chapter 3, verse 17, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He loves the world, desires for everyone to come to him. But there is some kind of a difference or distinction for those who are purposely seeking and striving to obey him. Do you love your neighbor? Well, yes, you better. It's hard for us, but we're working towards it. Well, do you love your wife and your son and, and your daughter? 
Yes, most definitely. Don't we love our neighbor at some way, at a, at a somewhat of a different level, in a different way than we do our, our, our wife, our family, our son, our daughter, grandson, granddaughter? At, at some level, yes. Exactly what is being described, the fact that God clearly loves all, but there is something that is unique and special that is reserved for those who have been called out for a specific purpose. And that's what we have to hold on to. We actually show and share the love of God that he's shown us, what? By loving other people. That's how it becomes real, how it becomes alive. Number one, the church proves its love through its obedience. Number two, the Lord promises his love through his presence. Number two, the, the Lord literally promises his love for us. He does it through his presence. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest. There's different ways to describe that. The New American Standard says, I will love him and I will disclose myself. Christian Standard says, I I also will love him and I will reveal myself to him. Um, The NIV says, I too will love them and I will show myself. The CEV says, I will also love you and I will show you what I'm like. What is this idea of I'll manifest myself? It's emphenizo. It means in, in, in Greek, it means to be made visible or, or caused to be seen, to, to, to make known and to show in detail in some way. Now, how, like, how does that happen? God is going to make himself known. God who spoke everything into existence from nothing. The sun, 93 million miles away. It is one star, what, of billions upon billions upon billions. It's just one star. And it is what? It is burning so bright that you and I, we can't even look at the sun because we will go blind. We'll hurt our eyes to look at that. It's 93 million miles away. God spoke it into existence, and that God is going to manifest himself to us. Like, how will we ever behold his glory? God says, I have a solution. Number one, it's what? God reveals himself to make himself known to us through his incarnation. The big word simply means deity or God becomes flesh. So God, in a sense, is going to make himself known to us. God, who spoke everything into existence from nothing. Every dust particle that we see is under his control, his sovereign rule and reign. He makes himself known through his incarnation. John chapter 1, verse 14 says what? That he will become flesh and he dwelt among us. He literally, what? God came to earth and he lived here. An angel announces what? In Matthew chapter one, verse 23, a virgin will conceive. That's a miracle in itself. She will bear a son. Now she'll call his name Manuel, which means what? God with us. Earl Tenney said it and he said it. Well, God's love for us has been manifested in the gift of, of Jesus. Therefore, our love for him is manifested in obedience. You and I, be perfectly honest, we love to get gifts. 
no, 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 I'm not a gift. You know, I don't like, just, just give me kind words. No, you love when there's a package that arrives and you get to open it up and it has your name on it. We love it. And, and the idea is the greatest gift that's ever given is that God actually offers himself in the flesh and form of man. That man's name was Jesus. Turn with me to uh, 1 John. I want you to see these words yourself. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And we see an evidence of this, an explanation of this love, of how God manifests himself. 1 John, it's towards the end of the Bible. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. In, in, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In, in, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. Us And he sent his son to be the propitiation, to be the, the sacrificial atonement for our sins. God loved us so much that he offered Jesus to come to our rescue because we were getting, we were getting beat up by sin. Jesus steps in and says, I'll take it, I'll take it. God manifested his love for us through his own incarnation. But secondly, God also manifested his love for us through his indwelling. It was just previously in in the same chapter that God promised what? I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will give you a helper. You're going to need help. And that ministry, what? Is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit literally in our lives. It is the right person at the right time. You ever ever have a need been broke down on the side of the road? And like, like the, the, the car doesn't work and like the stuff, stuff like pouring out of it or steam coming out and you have somebody come up and says, whoa, 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 don't worry. I, I got a hair dryer and a curling iron. I got some makeup and mascara. I just went to cosmetology school. Everything's going to be cool. Uh, no, 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 that's really not what I'm looking for at this time. I, I want a guy with a toolbox. I want a mechanic to show up. I need, I need the right person at the right time. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit is for us. We see it all the way through Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? It's, it's repeated almost verbatim in the very next um, couple chapters, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, that you are not your own? You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are his, which means literally, literally God indwells us at the moment of salvation that wherever you go, God goes with you. Whatever you look at, God is looking at. Whatever you listen to, God is listening to. 
that he literally indwells us that don't think for a moment, like I'll just kind of hide over here in the corner and we'll keep the lights off in the dark and no one's going to see it and no one's going to know. Maybe, maybe no one around you, but the Holy Spirit indwells you. Look what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 14, Paul is encouraging a nervous, scared pastor. And he says this, but the Holy Spirit who dwells within us Guard the good deposit, the, the treasure that has been entrusted to us. Do you realize all that God is doing, making himself known? He identifies with us by sending his own son to fulfill his perfect plan and purpose, offering himself to die on the cross, sending his spirit to empower us, to comfort us in moments and hours that we need to be comforted, to convict us when we need to be convicted to do all of that, what, so that we just kind of gloat on that and gorge ourselves on this amazing love that God has given to us? No, so that we don't just gather here for the, for the fact and sake that we love to gather here. But God, God's love is in here so that we show that love to others. The salvation that we've received is the salvation that we offer to others. How amazing is God to manifest himself to us in this manner. That his love for us, regardless of the stupid things that you have said and I have done, that his steadfast love endures forever. I was reading this week in the Psalm, Psalm 136 is 26 verses long. And in 26 verses The same phrase is repeated 26 times. I think the psalmist wanted to get the message across, not only to himself, but to everyone else. That what? That God's love, his love is steadfast and it endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. Steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. Don't we need that when we know that we have fallen short of his glory? Don't we need that when we know that his commandments are in front of us choosing to, to, to throw the instructions away? Don't, don't we know that, that I know what I'm supposed to do and the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. That we rest in the promise. His steadfast love endures forever. And we see what God has done for us. Lived out. Last Friday, a week ago from this past Friday, Wendy and I were invited um, to just an amazing, to witness an amazing and a beautiful event. We were invited um, to go to the courthouse in Williamsport, Lycoming County Courthouse for the, um, for the final step of an adoption process. And, and I love, I love the way that that in adoption is a perfect picture. It's a perfect parallel of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What, what, what is adoption? There is one, generally, usually it's a little one. Who what? Who's helpless. 
there's, there's, there's no hope for them. On their own, there, there is nothing for them. They, they, in a sense, don't belong anywhere. And, and so what, what is an adoption where someone steps up and someone steps in and says, I, I will give everything that I have to this little one. And it's not just like we have a, a roof over our house, our home, our, our people and our family. So I'm going to give you a roof. It's more than just that. It's more than just food. It's more than just, you, you'll have protection. It's, it's more than just education. I'll make sure that, that their little one is educated. It's more than that. It's, it's not just those things. That's a wonderful part of it. But there's more to it than that. There's what? There's family. You, you will forever be brought in and you will be part of this family. You'll have brothers and sisters. And that there's what? There's a new family. And with a new family comes a new name. And there's a unique moment. And I was literally moved to tears when the the judge says, I make a formal declaration from this moment onward. You little one will forever be known as Aiden Michael Good. And, and the gavel drops. It's not just a new name. It's what? It's a new identity. He, he didn't exist as that name before. But from this moment onward, someone stepped in to say what? I literally will change, offer everything and change who you are. That's, that's exactly it's exactly what God has done for us. A loving God who promised, well, I will not leave you as orphans. Isn't that interesting? It uses that phrase literally right here in John. I'm going to come to you. When, when we know, according to what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, we were dead in our sins. We were helpless and hopeless. Jesus said, I, I will take it. I'll take the punishment that you deserve. So much so that it's declared what in, in Romans chapter 5? I declare you righteous, justified because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. All because he stepped in to claim us forever adopted into his family, to enjoy the glories of heaven forever and ever, to, to bask and to bathe in his love that we get an opportunity opportunity to prove that love by our own obedience. You know, we have before us today in the communion table a, a, an amazing reminder of, of how God demonstrated that love. And we know it's actually in this very setting right here when Jesus is in the upper room and he says, I, 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 I will love you and I'll show myself to you. It's in that very time that he was gathered with his disciples and, and, and Jesus took bread and the disciples were, were very much like us in many ways. They're just clueless to what's going on. Like, like what, what, what exactly is happening? And Jesus gives an object lesson so that they know specifically. And it, and it says that he took bread and it was flat like this. And, and, and Jesus broke the bread. He tore it. He broke it into pieces. There's an object lesson. As he tore the bread, he said, this, this is what's going to happen to my own body. And gave it to him and said, I want you to eat this. 
eat my body. Well, you mean like literally? No, not literally. This is bread. It's not literally his body, but it's certainly a picture of it. That Jesus says what? I am the bread of life. You will never, ever, ever be satisfied by trying to feed and gorge yourself on the things of this world. The only thing that will ever satisfy is Jesus, the bread of life. And Jesus says, I want you to eat this. The demonstration, just as that bread was broken, my body's going to be broken. That's exactly what happens. They, they, they beat on him. Literally, they beat on him. They whipped him, scourged him. The, 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 the Roman method was that they would... They would tie shards of, of glass and shards of sharp stone or sharp bone on the end of, of multiple tassels of leather. And when they, would, when, when, when they would whip him, it would sink into his flesh and then they would tear it and it would literally tear apart his body. He would shred it to pieces, humiliated, stripped naked. People mocked him and ridiculed him. People spit at him. Jesus Jesus says, that's what's going to happen. That's how much I love you. I'm going to take it so you don't have to. Jesus also took the fruit of the vine. He poured out a cup and he said, just as my my blood is going to be poured out, I I pour this out to to show you. I'm going to offer my life, blood, offers life. Jesus poured out his perfect blood. The only one who could have ever died because he was the only one without sin. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission, no forgiveness of sin. And even, think about this, even those soldiers that were literally driving spikes through his hands and through his feet, those people that spit at Jesus and cursed at Jesus and whipped Jesus, that Jesus, even in that moment of agonos, cries out in love and he says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. That we know that when we have the commandments, the instruction, the word of God, and we choose to disobey. We're driving spikes, driving nails. And yet we know that God loves us enough to say what? I forgive them. Please, Father, forgive them. That's, that's, that's the visible, tangible reminder of what communion is all about. And it's for, for all of us who are gathered together as a called out assembly for purpose. So what we're going to do is we're going to serve this to you. The elders are going to come and they're going to serve you bread. Just so you know, it's, it's going to be different bread we've had in the past. It's gluten-free bread so everyone can participate. Um, they're going to serve that to you. And then I'm going to ask the blessing on both the bread and the cup. And then, then we're going to drink of the cup. We're going to sing a song and we're going to go home. But this is a reminder, what, so that we don't quickly forget how God demonstrates his love for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. Please understand, this is welcome to every person who has claimed the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. If you are here this morning and you have not made that declaration, that proclamation, you you don't have that belief, I want to ask you with great respect, please don't take this. 
If, if, you, if you, you don't believe that Jesus is the only way, the only truth in a way, the Father. But I also invite you that in this very moment, you can, you can acknowledge that you are a sinner. We don't have to convince ourselves of that. That God is holy and that we fall short and that by the work of Jesus and what he has done for us and across is the only way we can have relationship. If you accept that and put your faith and trust in that today for the very first time, then please take of this and celebrate how God demonstrated his love for us. And we invite you to that. Elders, why don't you come in and serve this to our dear family that's here. I'll ask God's blessing on it in just a moment and we will partake of it together. Would you bow your heads and and pray with me? Father, we do um, come now into your presence, recognizing your love and the gift you've given to us. We thank you, Lord, that we have this, uh, this picture that's been given from your word, 
for us to remember what you've done. Father, I thank you that your word calls us to examine ourselves. And Lord, we just want to do that right now in quietness. Lord, reveal to us the areas where we have fallen short. Show us, Lord, the sins. Sins of our own selfishness, pride. Where we fall short, Lord, of your holiness. Sins of lust, anger, bitterness towards others. Or just show us and reveal us those areas that we need to confess. Sins of doubt, doubting your greatness. Sins of fear or worry. Lord, all of them, you, you know our hearts and we lay them at your feet. We confess them to you, knowing, Lord, that you forgive. You are faithful and just. Forgive us and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, for the quietness and the time to do that this morning. Father, I would ask that as we now partake of this bread and as we drink of the cup, that we would be reminded afresh and anew who you are and what you've done in making yourself known to us. And dying so we can live. And we thank you for that. Bless this bread and cup. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It says that the Lord Jesus, on the very night in which he was betrayed, it says that he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said this. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
Thank you. Thank you, my brothers. It says, in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And we look forward to when he comes again. Now, if you have heard this morning of the good news of Jesus, if you have believed that in your heart and confessed him as Lord and Savior, then may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and may he give you peace. Lord bless. Thank you, Tim. Would you stand with us as we close?